episode of Sestas Podcast, the place where you can learn and get insights about the cryptocurrency industry. I'm your host, Eric, and today this is a very important lesson that I'm going to try to teach you. This is about the Bitcoin Civil War that happened in 2015. And if you are new to the space, this is a very important history lesson, so make sure you stick till the end. You are going to learn what was the root cause of the war, who fought and who won. I will try to explain things in context and simple terms, not getting too technical so that everybody can understand. As always, this is not financial advice, and without further ado, let's get started. This episode is about the block size war, the battle over who controls Bitcoin's protocol rules. This is a book written by Jonathan Beer and published on March 14th of 2021, and this book's covers Bitcoin's civil war, which started in 2015 and ended in 2017. And on surface, the battle was about the amount of data allowed in each Bitcoin block. However, it exposed a much deeper problem, such as who controls Bitcoin's protocol rules. And since this is a very important subject for all of us to understand, this is why I decided to cover this subject in this episode. And this is going to be very, very interesting. So, what is the block size war? What is a block? What is block size? Basically, it's the Bitcoin civil war that happened around 2015. And what happened is, basically, there was a core argument. It was a technical argument. But at the end, it was more of a philosophical argument between the community. So let me try to recap to you what happened. At the very beginning of Bitcoin, around 2009, there was no block size limit. And at some point, Satoshi Nakamoto, the inventor of Bitcoin, decided kind of secretly to put a one megabit block size limit to each Bitcoin block. And the motivations of Satoshi impl implementing this one megabit block size limit are really unknown. And people have tried to figure out the motivations behind this move, yet nobody can say for sure why he did it. But there is a simple reason to this one megabit block size limit. Essentially, if you made a block over a certain size, before the one megabit block size was introduced, it would have crashed the nodes running the software. Basically, a miner can inject a block so huge that other nodes won't be able to, to, to mine it. So basically, this is an attack factor on the network. And that's probably why Satoshi implemented this block size limit in 2010, to prevent attacks on the network by preventing the injection of a huge large block that would have crashed the network. So once Satoshi implemented this one megabit block size limit, pretty much secretly with no comments or anything, Bitcoin blocks started to fill up as more and more people started to use the network. And at that point, what happened is a divergence in Bitcoin's use case and narrative. Do you remember our episode 8, Bitcoin's narrative through time? Well, I highly recommend you to listen to this episode, because this was discussed. And 
At the time, some people believed that Bitcoin was this cheap version of PayPal with very low fees and used for day-to-day -day transactions. And between 2009 and 2015, if a block wasn't full, the miner will mine your transaction for free. I mean, after all, if the block is not full, why not mine the transaction for free? That was, that was basically the narrative. Then, as the block started to fill, when this one megabit block size limit was introduced, those same people said that, okay, let's just remove this arbitrary limit. What could be the harm? And another set of people said no. We need to cap the block size because if you increase it, at some point, only a small percentage of people will be able to run a full node. Why? Because Bitcoin is a blockchain. A specific type of blockchain, of course. It is open. It is decentralized. It is censorship resistant. It is borderless and neutral. But what is a blockchain? A blockchain is simply a timestamp database. And if every participant in the network has the possibility to validate transaction and to have an up-to-date copy of the ledger of the database of the blockchain using a full node, but to run a full node, you need to download the whole blockchain. And currently, the Bitcoin blockchain, um, for your information, is around 325 gigabytes, meaning you can run a full node on a computer, basically. So in order to run a full node, you need to first download all the blocks, all the transactions that happened since the Genesis block. Having said that, you understand now that if the Bitcoin blockchain becomes too big, only a small fraction of people will be able to run a full node, therefore impacting the decentralization aspect of Bitcoin and thus its security. Because Bitcoin security comes from the fact that there is no single point of failure. You can't hack Bitcoin because it is decentralized and everybody is running a full node uh, that is running a full node can validate on its own the current state of the ledger. So the more Bitcoin is decentralized, the more resilient it is, the, most, the, the more secure it is. So what's the benefit of having an uncapped large block size versus having a small capped block size? Well, it really comes down to what you value uh, Bitcoin. Why is Bitcoin to you? What it is? And in 2015, there was two competing narratives. So one group of people thought that Bitcoin needed to be the scale of Visa or PayPal. Transactions needed to be fast and cheap so that Bitcoin, the network, the Bitcoin network can be used for day-to-day -day transactions, such as buying a cup of coffee, for example, or uh, going to McDonald's. So they wanted block large uh, large block that will be large enough in order to, in order to accommodate a visa scale number of transactions which is many many orders of magnitudes more transactions than the current bitcoin network supports for example visa is around uh, 1700 transactions per second and bitcoin is 7 this means that 
for Bitcoin to be able to fit uh, that much transactions, the block size needs to be larger and larger and larger, meaning fewer and fewer people will be able to run a full node, therefore making Bitcoin more and more centralized. So let me explain what happened. What is a block? A block is basically, think, think of a block as a sheet of paper where it has a certain number of lines and each line corresponds to a Bitcoin transaction. Once the page is full, the block is full, okay? So some people wanted to increase the size of the paper, of the page. And other people didn't want that. After all, why not increase the, the size of the block, the size of the, the, the paper sheet, so that we can put more transaction per block? Why not? For the simple reason that by doing that, over time, you would need to increase the block size again and again and again. And at some point, only corporations with data centers would be able to run full nodes, making Bitcoin relevant. And the other group of people, the small blockers, had a different vision for Bitcoin. They didn't want to sacrifice Bitcoin's decentralizations and security and trustlessness for the sake of transaction speed and transaction fees. So their vision was to scale Bitcoin not by increasing the block size limit on the base layer, but by adding another layer on top of Bitcoin, a second layer, or as you may have heard, a layer two solution. In this case, Bitcoin will be the settlement layer and the second layer on top of it will be used for payments and small transactions. And yes, you might have guessed it, this is the role of the Lightning Network, which is a so-called layer two solutions on top of Bitcoin. That will make Bitcoin more relevant and more usable for day-to-day -day transactions. And essentially with the Lightning Network, you could put like millions of transactions per day on top of Bitcoin. But this is the subject for another episode of Sestus Podcast. So make sure you subscribe and you like the video for more content from us. So who won the war? Who won? Well, starting in 2015, we started to see more and more implementations of Bitcoin code, first with Bitcoin XT, which was proposed by no other than Gavin Anderson. And if you don't know who that guy is, this is a very important, like OG figures in the Bitcoin space, because this was the guy Satoshi landed the reins of the Bitcoin project when he left the space forever. And when Satoshi left, Gavin supported the large blockers. So this was a direct attack on the Bitcoin protocol and the Bitcoin network, because a very authoritative person was in favor of large blocks. This is why we say it's a civil war, because it was a, a war against, against each other. It was the Bitcoin community going separate ways for Bitcoin's future with two different visions that was incompatible with one another. And after B Bitcoin XT, later on, there was Bitcoin Unlimited. And then we had a genuine hard fork 
And a hard fork is when two group of people have conflicting vision for the project and decide to split because they want to implement features that are not compatible. And because they support two incompatible versions of the software, resulting in the creation of a, of a brand new blockchain, many people at the time thought Bitcoin was dead because the argument was for Bitcoin was like there were, there's a capped supply of 21 million coins. Well, if you're for Bitcoin, you have Bitcoin Cash, and now you have 42 million. You have created more Bitcoin. But as you know today, the market decided which Bitcoin was the real Bitcoin. With all of this, the war between the community, it, was, it looked like Bitcoin was dead, to be honest, for everybody, even for, for OG figures like Andreas Antonopoulos. Everybody thought Bitcoin was dead because it was forked. But actually, forks are things that will happen and are continuously happening. And it's okay. Everybody has a different vision for the thing, and the market will decide. But Bitcoin doesn't care about that. It kept on creating new blocks every 10 minutes on average, like a heartbeat. And today, the hard forks of Bitcoin are all, all failures. Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin Satoshi's Vision, Bitcoin Gold, Bitcoin Diamond, all are different implementation of the Bitcoin protocol, but none of them are relevant because the market has decided who's the winner, and the winner is Bitcoin. And they all kept the word Bitcoin in their name. They could have chosen another name, right? I mean, Litecoin is a fork of Bitcoin. Monero uh, is, I guess, using some Bitcoin code but they decided to use the word bitcoin because bitcoin is a branding strategy basically and this is why these coins have such huge market cap today simply because they have bitcoin in it because new people when they come into the space they see oh there's this cheaper version of bitcoin let's buy this let's buy this stuff so at the end the small blockers won and bitcoin is stronger than ever today Yet, we cannot scale to the Visa scale of transaction numbers, but Visa and PayPal and all the major banks in the world are adopting and integrating Bitcoin into their systems. And at some point, the transaction layer will be done with traditional systems that are much more efficient. Or maybe... The Lightning Network will, will scale and grow, and more and more people will use the Lightning Network, making Bitcoin relevant for day-to-day -day use and day-to-day -day transactions. Bitcoin's narrative today is no longer about payments. It's much more important than that. Bitcoin is much more important than money itself. And as Michael Sellers said, Bitcoin is hope. It's hope for a better economic future for all the human beings on the planet. Having sound money, the soundest, purest form of money ever created. And Bitcoin is the most efficient system in the history of mankind for channeling energy through space and time. This is Michael Silver quote and I love this quote. And I will leave you with another quote from my personal hero, Andreas M. Antonopoulos. Bitcoin is not a currency is your internet of money. Have a great day. I hope you like this episode. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, share this video, and I'll see you on the next one.
Bye-bye.